Here we go. Another episode of the podcast. And this one, as the last few podcasts, is brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. Maddie, Logan, what does Laura Lee Smith do? She is a real estate agent. That's right. In the Bryan College Station, Texas, and surrounding areas. And did she find us our first home? Yes, yes. she did. Well, together as a family, yes. That's right. Our family's first home and our first adventure begins thanks to Laura Lee finding us our dream home. So if you've ever thought about owning your first home, maybe selling a home and upgrading into a bigger one because your family's expanding or you need more room or downsizing or downsizing. That's right. Because we needed to downsize, huh? Yeah. Kendra's moving out soon. <laughs> Whatever your needs may be, Laura Lee can find them and take care of you. So guys, how do you get a hold of Laura Lee? By calling this number, 979-218-218. Two three one five. That again is nine seven nine two one eight two three one five. All right. This episode is with Dr. Brian Watts of College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. And he did a half marathon, traveled to Israel, and then started his own business shortly before that. You get to see all of the different things and struggles that you go through. In starting your own business and doing these sort of new adventures but as he puts it pull the trigger and ride the bullet and I love that so much I want to keep that around the reason this podcast is a little bit delayed is because I end up getting a really bad sinus infection afterwards and couldn't do the intro and you can tell in this podcast that I can I'm not talking too well because I'm very stuffy but Brian sounds great and that's all we need because he's the star of the show so please Without any further ado, welcome Dr. Brian Watts. And we're live. We're recording live. All right, what's up? <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Brian. Yeah, no problem. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to just dive right into the marathon, or the, the Ironman that you just did. Half Ironman. Half Ironman on Galveston, rainstorms, people yelling at you to stop, yeah. and I'll let you fill in that and tell that story. Well, I'll kind of start from the beginning, I guess. Um, but it was uh, Ironman Galveston, Ironman Texas, 70.3, half Ironman. And I've been training for four and a half months, and a lot goes into the training. If you haven't done it before, a lot of time away from your family, a lot of time dedicated to it. So everything kind of builds up to this one day. It's almost like planning. you're planning for a wedding for months, sometimes a year, and then it's just one day. So you have all these things kind of building up to it. So there's different kinds of emotions, things that happen on the way, small injuries sometimes happen. or Anyway, there's a huge buildup to like this one big day. And I actually didn't really think about that that much until it happened, until I got to that day and then the aftermath of it. Because um, when you're training for it, you just kind of, you're just, your head down, you're going. You're just putting everything you got into it, plus doing other things. You got a family, a business. <laughs> Um, but so it's five to six days a week of training for the last four and a half months, um, except for a little two week break that I had when I went to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went to Israel in the middle of it. Yeah, it was it was kind of towards the beginning. Um, but oh. anyway, we can talk about that in a minute. So race day comes. I have support from my family. A friend came down from Arlington, um, and getting super nervous the day before trying to stay calm. I've got my coach who's also running in the race and also four or six other people that were, we all kind of trained together along the way. So you feel like, you know, you're ready. Let's do this. You go to the Ironman village the day before you check in, you start to get the hype. 
I've never been in that scene before. Oh. Um, and so, but the whole time, the whole week before, you're checking the weather. Because last year it was freezing cold, not freezing, it was in the 40s, kind of around 50 and raining. And that's really cold on a bike. Um, so I was worried yeah. about that. You know, I, maybe I can just suffer through it for three hours. I was hoping it wouldn't be cold. So it was looking good temperature wise, but then we see these thunderstorms predicted. Um, so at one point I realized there's nothing, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. So stop worrying about the weather. Let them, let Iron Man do their job of either, you know, keeping it going or pulling the plug. I mean, if it's cold, it's cold, right? Right. You got to go through it. Or if it's raining, it's raining. Um, Yeah, you just got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you're there to compete. So, and I love to compete. And my wife told me, she's like, you just want to finish. And I'm trying to, you know, make sure I don't overdo it because I have this competitive nature in me. Um, So anyway, you get all the hype of the Iron Man Village, checking in, go out to eat the night before, eat as much as you can. Uh, We went to a Mexican restaurant, um, had a lot of fun, and then you try to go to bed early. Then, this is a side story that I didn't even think about until just now, 1.20 a.m., I've got my alarm set for 4 because I've got to be up there about 5 to set up my stuff. My son, 6-year-old son, is screaming my name in the condo, yelling, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. He threw up. Oh no! All over his bed. <laughs> oh so no! So I get up and help my wife, and my mom is there too, and we clean it all up, and then they stay up with him, and I try to get back to sleep. It takes forever, so that I just tried to. When I got up in the morning, I just said, you know, forget about that. It happened. You got a little less sleep. You can't worry about it. You know, just stay on, stay on your prep. So anyway, I got there, did everything for transition. Um, you, know, you set up the transition area. Your bike's already there. You've got your your wetsuit, all the stuff for your bike, all the stuff for the run. And so you have to have it all set up by 6.45. The race starts at 7. That's when the waves would start. And then, so the whole time, you're just trying to stay focused and not be nervous. And my coach is there. He's running the race with me. So that helped a lot, like not being super nervous. But you're still, like, got this tightness in your chest and about to jump in this cold water, you know. Yeah. Um, So we get to the point where we're ready to walk down you got to walk about it's 10 to 15 minute walk to the swim start from the transition area because uh, you start down at one end of the bayou come down and you end right there by transition and so we're walking down there it's cloudy overcast and the rain wasn't predicted to come till about 11 30 or 12 and that was kind of in the back of our heads but it's also like you know it doesn't matter you're just gonna go until they st- say stop or you can't go anymore um so the race starts. The swim was super hard, actually, because you're into the wind and into a current the first 300, 400 meters. And it's super choppy. It's a oh. wave start where you jump in the water. If you never swim, like, is it? it's in the ocean, right? In the bay? It's in the off its bayou. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's salt water. Yeah. There was a huge wave kind of coming from a boat when I jumped in. And yeah. so you jump in and you sit. It's a from water start. So you jump in for four or five minutes, you're just floating. Um, you're in a wetsuit in salt water, so it's not hard to tread. Um, but there's, there were like 150, 200, I don't know how many are in my age group right there, waiting to start floating in the water. Um, we're all just surrounded by each other, same color cap, because it's coordinated by swim caps. And then the, the buzzer goes, and you just everyone starts swimming, and you're just like hitting each other with your elbows and kicking each other. And I heard that's what it's going to be like, but you, don't, you can't prepare for that really until you do it. Yeah. And so also on top of that, it was into the wind, into a little bit of a current. That's tough. If yeah. nobody's ever done that, like try to swim distance at least a little bit in the. In I mean, I've done it in open water, but not that far. Yeah, um, that's I, really hard. It can feel like you're going like you'll 
swim, 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 and you look up like, whoa, I haven't gone almost anywhere. Yeah. And then your goggles get a little foggy and you can't see that well. <laughs> yeah. It's hard not to uh, make yourself panic at that point. Yeah. So that's a big deal for a lot of people in the swim is getting through the mindset of not panicking in that open water when things start to happen that you didn't want to happen or plan for. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've always felt very comfortable in the water. I didn't like, I wasn't on a swim team growing up, except for when I was pretty young. But I've always felt very comfortable in like lake water, river water, doing a lot of wakeboarding and skiing when I was growing up. So that didn't bother me like just swimming in that kind of water. It was really just the group swim and then you got start to get tired. Um, so around the corner you got a long back stretch. And about halfway through, I'd never swam this far in open water. So I was at least halfway through, I think. I started to feel a little bit dizzy or a little bit disoriented. I wasn't sure why. I thought maybe it was just from turning constantly because I'm breathing every other stroke on the same side. The same side? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just what I do, and that's what I planned on doing. Um, I didn't want to change that plan. And so you're allowed to stop and do breaststroke or just float. There's kayaks and there's buoys. You can grab onto them and wait and hold onto it, but I did not want to do that. Like I told myself at the beginning, I'm not going to stop and do that. And so I just slowed my cadence down a little bit, kind of gathered myself and my thoughts and just kept on going a little bit slower and then I I felt fine all of a sudden it was weird like (laughs) I I almost started to go into that panic mode a little bit I think Um, which people talk about all the time but I've never had experienced it water's scary yeah water you can't see in this water either this is salt water it's dark the wind's Um, blowing the current's probably going against you anyway well at that point I was going with it okay that point and you could tell a difference and also the sun started to peek out like every time I breathed the left I saw the sun and it made me really happy oh that's nice (laughs) It's crazy that you said that about the about like it's tough, it's tough, it's tough, and you start like almost panic, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, it oh, was good because I, you can I hear, you can tell your mind to do that. Yeah, just, I hear ultra marathon runners talk about that all the time. Like there's like that runner's high or whatever you run so so long, and it's tough, it's tough. You're like thinking about your legs hurting, you're thinking about your body hurting. This is dumb. Why am I doing this? I should just stop right now. It, everything hurts, and then all of a sudden. If you just keep pushing through that that little part right there, that real mm-hmm. tough part where it gets real heavy, all of a sudden it gets like, oh, I feel okay now. Yeah, it's a real second oh. wind. I mean, it's a real thing happened. So that even happened early on in the race. This is only the first 1.2 miles, which it, I did it in 40 minutes. So this is very early in the race. Um, and anyway, so I, I got through that, got into transition, got on the bike, still just overcast, and the wind was starting to pick up a little bit. And I knew going out on the bike that... Um, it was going to be downwind, kind of a down and cross. So you're going to cruise going out. And, you know, you don't want to waste all your energy just, like, flying. So I tried to take it easy a little bit going out because I was able to maintain a pretty good pace around, like, 21 miles an hour going out. Because I knew coming back in, I needed to stay in the aero position a lot more, down on the aero bars, and it's going to be into that wind. So I'm going to drop at least five miles an hour. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, and kind of the same things happened um, with my legs and with I never got out of breath on the bike because it's a flat bike, no hills. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and I've trained enough to where I'm just aerobic the whole time. Um, it's, well, I mean, hills on a bike. Are, oh yeah, that'll get you out of breath. Running uphill, riding yeah, a bike I think, uphill. I, I think riding a bike uphill is probably tougher. Yeah. I mean, obviously downhill is easier. But yeah, but I mean, if you get to, the goal is get to the top and you just, yeah. it evens out eventually. Yeah. But, but flat's this is nice. just flat. Um, yeah, it was nice, definitely. But one thing I want to say on the bike that I did not really think about necessarily when I was training was um, 
bike crashes or bike accidents. Um, I did not have one, but in the first, within the first, it was before the five mile mark. We're kind of going through Moody Gardens like neighborhood area, and then we come out to the 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 seawall road or San Luis bypass. Yeah. And so you're on that the rest of the time. So we came out at that like right where our condo was, <laughs> and oh, that's nice. where my family was. And I turned the corner, going down, and there's there's cars all stopped. And I pass this guy, and he is on the ground. He's a cyclist. His bike is under the front of a Tahoe. He he was hit by a car. Um, some oh. somehow like either the wind blew him out into the lane, or the car just messed up. I mean, not it's coned himself. off. One lane is coned off for us. But there were a yeah. lot of riders. Like, it's not easy to pass people sometimes. I mean, it's, it gets a little bit crowded. Think um, maybe he took a chance. I have no idea what happened. I don't think it was his fault. Um, getting hit by the car. I mean. I don't know for sure. I really don't know the circumstance. But this guy's covered in blood all over his head, and he's getting put on a stretcher. And I'm riding. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. What am I doing? <laughs> I started calling on the Lord. Lord Jesus. I hope he's okay. Kind of praying for him. And then I Don't keep... let that happen to me. Yeah. So that was just kind of... That, that, was, that wasn't that bad, actually, compared to what I, I saw about five minutes later. I'm just riding about a couple hundred feet in front of me. There's one, two, and then a third person, and she just, it looked like to me, no one was close enough to her to like hit her. She just laid down on her side and hit the ground and slid and crashed. Oh. And so I was close enough to where I hit my brakes to slow down. You can't slow down super fast when you're going 20. And I didn't, I wasn't able to stop before I got to her. I was kind of stopping as I passed her, and I stopped, looked back, and when I passed her, she was not moving. She was unconscious. And I wonder if she passed out while writing. That's what I think happened. But I, I mean, again, I don't know. I mean, maybe she got a gust of wind and kind of overcorrected. I mean, I really don't know. Anyway, I stopped and she started moaning and kind of moving a little bit. And there were volunteers that were close by that saw it, and some other cyclists that were able to stop right at her. And they, they kind of assisted her. And then the bikers, just you know, cyclists just keep going. I mean. It's kind of good Samaritan thing. You stop and make sure they're okay. But then the volunteers were there, so they but took care of it. But there's people there to take care yeah. of them so that everybody else can keep going with the race. Yeah, but I honestly didn't think of anything like that happening, like going out on this race. Like, I never thought I'm going to crash or see somebody crash. Yeah. It was actually worse, I think, almost to see somebody do that. And so it was even more prayer. <laughs> the next <laughs> the next probably 10 miles, I was just like, I was sh- shaking up a little bit, almost like, came to tears because I was worried about her and also thinking you know what about me if something happens to me <laughs> and my family you know just your mind starts going places that is it makes it difficult to like keep going yeah and that was early on in the bike and so anyway I got through it just by praying and kind of calling the Lord calm me down got to the end rode back it was super hard on the ride back because it's straight into the wind um, and I knew it was going to be hard my legs are starting to get pretty tired but by the time I got to the end, um, it started to sprinkle a little bit, and the wind was picking up a little, so you could kind of tell some like some thunderstorms maybe coming, which it was, they were coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, you pretty much knew in the back of your head it was gonna hit at some point. Um, so I got got back, got to the run. I was on like a great pace, way faster than what I my goal was um, in planning all this. I was about 15 minutes faster on the bike, five minutes faster on the run. I mean, on the swim, and I was feeling pretty good. Like I felt like I could crush the run, and so. The first four miles, it's a three-loop three run all through Moody Gardens. And so you, there's a lot of, like, 
back and forth traffic of all these runners. I didn't even know it was going to be this crowded, but it's kind of cool. Like it in one sense, I mean, you're so close quarters and running everywhere, but it, and in another sense, it was like I wish I could just like go out and then back and be <laughs> yeah. done, not do the same loop <laughs> three times. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, we get to. I got through the first loop at a pretty good pace, like faster than what I'd planned. And um, the second loop was getting a little bit harder. Then it, all of a sudden, like, I mean, the sky just opened up and it starts pouring down rain and it's going straight sideways because the wind's blowing at least 30 miles an hour. Yeah, it was um, a violent storm. Yeah, and I saw videos later of the palm trees just blowing, but I couldn't see. Like, I had, my, I had a running hat on and it's raining so hard you can't look up. Um, it was it hurt it was, your eyes, and then the water was hitting yeah. you in the face, and it stung like it. Yeah. I mean, it felt like pellets hitting you, and so you're kind of going into the wind with the wind, and then pretty quick after that, you could tell something was going on with the race. Like maybe they were trying to get people off the course, maybe not, because you stopped seeing people coming from the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm running with a group. I mean, it's it's crowds the whole time. It's like a constant stream of people, like a river, and so. You're just kind of going with the flow. You're passing people. Sometimes people passing you. Kind of going back and forth, and so you just keep going. You start running through puddles, like huge puddles, like I mean, up to your ankles and higher. And you just pick up your feet and keep running. The aid stations were empty. Like you, you come up to an aid station, it's just water cups on tables, and we have no idea where everybody else, where <laughs> the, where the volunteers like, went. See you later, guys. Yeah, they had to seek shelter. I mean, it was yeah. dangerous. Yeah. But when you're on that in that in that moment, you don't want to stop. Like you've trained for this for four and a half months you want to keep going until it's over i mean until you get to the end and you want to cross that finish line like that is the the goal you know imagine yourself crossing it and then doing it and so uh, halfway through the second lap i got back to this parking garage and they had stopped people going the other way and they were telling them to get in the garage and then some people were trying to keep running and people were like no you can't go anymore and they were like i'm going anyway <laughs> So people kept going the other way, and then the rest of the crowd, that the direction I was going, st- still kind of kept going through the course. So I just followed them through, and then we got like 150 yards from the finish line, which I still had another loop, so another four-mile loop. But yeah. some people were on their last loop that I was with. Yeah. And so they they like know the finish line's right around the corner, and they've like basically got the road, the pathway blocked. It said go into this tent, which was like the merchandise tent, the huge white tent that was set up in the village. Yeah. And you know a lot of them were like yelling like no i'm not stopping and they were like there's nobody at the finish line i mean you can i guess whatever they're not going to stop you you know so some people went ahead and finished um so they have it on their watches it's unofficial the clock had stopped probably 30 minutes ago we just didn't know it we just kept running (laughs) i mean at that point you just want to like cross fit it's it's more of like for you Right than anybody else. Yeah, that's that's how I definitely far four months of training, Mm -hmm. and some people maybe more. Right, and then and it's my first one. You're like four miles away from finishing. Mm -hmm. That's it, just four miles. I got that. Oh yeah, I was I was gonna finish. I was gonna have a good strong third loop. I think like I felt I I slowed down a little bit in the second just to recover a little. (laughs) Yeah, and then I was just gonna kick it in, you know, for four miles. (laughs) (laughs) And then no dice. Yeah, so we we stopped in the tent and no one knew what was going on. Like. we were just standing around. There were pizza boxes, so we started eating some pizza, getting some water. Um, it was like we treated it as an aid station. We thought maybe they'd let us go back out on the course. Like, it was utter chaos. Like, no one knew what was going on. Um, I was worried about my wife. She had taken the kids back to the condo and come back up there, so she was by herself. 
and apparently she had taken shelter, you know, in one of the pyramids there. Um, but we didn't know it was going on for a good 30 minutes. And then finally someone comes in and says, it's canceled. And so people, you know, mixed emotions, they're upset because they were so close to finishing. Yeah. But now, kind of looking back on it two days later, or three days later now, it's I have a different perspective. Um, I don't feel like I got gypped in any way, like that my training wasn't worth it because I, it got cut short that four miles for me. For some people, it was more. Yeah. Or some people, it was... 150 yards you know? <laughs> so it doesn't matter yeah. honestly the way you should look at this is you completed the race until they set a stop so race day can be different for various reasons a lot of times it's weather which is totally out of your control yeah and they're going to keep your safety um in mind 100 <laughs> percent um although at times like the way it wasn't able to they weren't able to communicate with us halfway out on the course I did not feel safe. <laughs> yeah. Well, at that point, like that—that's got to be really hard. There's no way of you, like, I mean, you'd have to have a lot of people braving that storm to be like, "Hey, guys, uh, when y'all get up there, go ahead and pull in the tent." Right. You know, I mean, there's no tent where you're running, right? No, there was nothing. There was nowhere to take shelter. Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind yeah. of out in the middle of. We're two and a half miles away, and there was a parking garage at one point. But you're still away from the finish line and where everybody is, so eventually all those people just jogged back. Yeah. Even though they hadn't even finished the course, they just got back on the course going back and jogged <laughs> back. Um, but to look at it as you finished the race that was that was com- completed that day. Um, at the time, it finished at whatever time, 12.51. I don't, I don't know exactly what time they actually yeah. called it and cut off the, the monitoring, the GPS and the clock and all that. But that was the cutoff time, and you finished it. You didn't quit. So... I mean, I completed my first half Ironman, I mean, even though it wasn't 70.3 miles. I, mean, I completed what the race was that day. So, and that's how I feel now, and it feels great. Like I'm, and I'm ready to do another one. Like, <laughs> I was about to ask, are you going to do another one? Is I that, already signed up. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so yesterday I signed up for Ironman Waco, which is another half. Oh yeah, um, okay, cool. And I plan on doing a full next year. Right on. So working Going on up that. To it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my coach wants me to do one this year, but it's just not going to happen. Logistically, there's some things aren't lining up to happen. So I'll, I want to do it eventually, but I also want to do another half. And last year in Waco, they had to cancel the swim completely, and they just did a duathlon. Yeah, that's the one that uh, uh, my <laughs> wife went to, to follow okay. those people around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they, they canceled the whole swim part. Right, because yeah. the, the, it had been raining so much, the water was too high, and the current was dangerous. So. Yep. Um, I mean, things like that happen on race day, and you just go with it. And I mean, some, some people stay there and do it. Some just say, "I'm not doing this," and go home. You well, know? It's a, it's an imp- <laughs> I think it's a, an important thing to be able to adapt to something like that mm-hmm. and not let it bother you. That's a mental strength as well. Like, I almost think I hate to say like like real competitors will not let something like that bother them. Like, if you're in a fitness competition and you don't like the pull up bars that they have there. Well, guess what? Everybody's got to deal with that, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice. That's what you got to do with. Right. Jump up there and do them on that thing. Like, it, if you think negatively about that sort of thing, you, you let it affect you, and it runs your whole race, your whole competition, everything else. Mm-hmm. But if you stay mentally strong and and follow, like, okay, I'm gonna make this work. Let's right. just figure it out. Like, yeah, it's not the best, but guess what? This happens. Right. These sort of things. Let's push through this and not worry about that. You know, mm-hmm. we, that's out of that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. Like it's out of everybody's. Those things are out of your control. Worrying right. about the things you're in control, of, which is you and your right. performance. Yeah. So that's a, a. It really is a cool way to look at it. 
Like, and it doesn't just go with competition. I mean, you've got these competitive things that we still like to do. I, I like to race. I like to compete. But, I mean, it's the same thing with your family life and the same thing with your business, um, your work, career, whatever you're doing. Uh, a lot of times, obviously, things aren't going to go your way. I mean, it happens every day. Something's not going to go your way. And so if you are if you have that mindset and attitude that, I mean, you let it affect you, that something that you can't control, it's going to make life really hard, you know? And like, how do you, yeah. I mean, and how you deal with those adversity makes makes all the difference mm-hmm. in your day, whether it's going to be up or down, whether right. it's going to be positive or negative. And sometimes you can't avoid the negative, but you can keep trying. Like, you can keep pushing through it, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't, you, if you let it take over, it's just going to last and linger. I think it's, it's very true. Like, yeah. in your personal life, in, for sure in business, right. everything, there's going to be bumps in the road. Like, things yeah. are going to happen. It's not going to be, you know, as Kim would say, rainbows and unicorns all day long. <laughs> yeah. It's it's gonna like there's gonna be some bumps in the road. It's how you handle those bumps that that get you through and almost make life even better right. after that. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I've handled that before. It's no big deal. You learn a lot more from your failures than your successes. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like you know they always say it's not fa- it's not a failure if you learn something from it. You know. Yeah, that's true. It's a it's a teaching moment or a learning moment or whatever they want to say. But which is it's it is really true. It's like mm-hmm. it's really not a failure if you look at it that way. Like you didn't succeed. But you also didn't lose because you learned from it, right? You know, and and you're back at it. like you're already back at it and ready to want want to do another iron. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. Been, I've done CrossFit twice already since the race. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that sore actually. I think that I credit that to Darren Inslee at Soko Athletics, the coach. He he prepped us so well for that race that I mean I felt great during the whole race. Pretty much, you know, considering what we're doing. His experience probably is like... Oh, yeah. I mean, he's done nine full Ironmans. Yeah. And that's a handful of halves as well. So I trusted everything he had us do, trust the process of it, and everybody that trained with him felt great during the race, and they were on good paces, and it just, you know, it got cut a little bit short. But I learned a lot from that one competition <laughs> Yeah, um, that will extend for... Not even just, everything. Yeah, just in life in general, like you were yeah. saying, like it, it actually taught you lessons in life. Yeah, like, it's really. I think competition does that a lot for people, though. I think it's good to compete, to throw yourself out there, and anything. Like, we can go ahead and get it. Your business is going to be the same sort of thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to want to start a business of your own. Right. That's not like all the weights on your shoulders. If this thing succeeds or fails, like you're responsible for not only you but if you hire employees now you're responsible for their them and their well-being and their lives and that's a lot of pressure to have to Mm -hmm. start your own thing up right i want to do something so i guess you can explain a little bit about what you do yeah so uh, and and how it all got started like where it came from and all that okay yeah so i started college station physical therapy performance almost exactly one year ago um but i've been a physical therapist for about before i started that about eight years um, I lived in Mississippi for, uh, let's see, seven years total for school and worked there for four years. Um, and then, so got a ton of experience working as a staff physical therapist and was just kind of working, trying to build my way up, you know, work my way up the totem pole <laughs> um, to become a manager of a physical therapy clinic that was busy all the time, orthopedics and sports medicine. And that's that was kind of my thought, like, that's what I want to do, and I think I'd be happy with that. But turns out I wouldn't be <laughs> so um, but I didn't realize that till later um, I, I moved we moved here um, four and a half years ago worked in the same kind of clinic where it's a super high volume 
and it started weighing on me big time. Like I was gone all day, treating a ton of patients. Like I loved taking care of people, and I loved doing it in that setting and even the setting I'm doing now. But it got to the point where I was getting burned out. I mean, I was, I'm not an anxious person, but I was becoming anxious. Um, wow, I can't even imagine you anxious. No, I mean, I was. <laughs> I've seen you a handful of times. Yeah. Now, like, man, he's a chill dude. <laughs> yeah, even one time I came, or I was like stretching a patient's shoulder or something, and there was a lot going on in the room, and I had like three or four people there at once, and I was trying to make sure, like, I also want people to be like so satisfied with their treatment from me and everything so everyone in the room that's my patient's my responsibility even there even though they may be with a tech or my PT assistant who that's also the only has a full way to schedule. Look at that. that's the only yeah. way you can look at that in anything in, in life I think especially if you want to be successful at that you look at it as like everybody in the room is my responsibility whether they're with my tech or not I right. should train them good whatever it may be yeah if yeah. something happens it's not the tech's fault it's my fault yeah <laughs> um, so Anyway, there was this one time specifically I came back home and told my wife about it because she actually wrote it down in a journal. I didn't know this till later. Um, but <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was uh, – I think it, she did that so she could pray for me. <laughs> my wife's awesome. She just She's like a prayer warrior. Um, but anyway, I was stretching this patient's shoulder, a lot going on. It was kind of culminating to this, I think. And I, like, I, I started having like heart palpitations, and I've never had anything like that. And my heart, my chest kind of felt tight. I was like, what is happening right now? Um, I kind of said this all to myself and then so I was able to like kind of calm myself down and just kind of get through the day and I told my wife about it and she said you were like having an anxiety attack because <laughs> she's had them before oh, so <laughs> she's a like... little bit different <laughs> uh, she gets a little anxious sometimes uh, but it's usually stuff like being on an airplane it's not like just normal stuff I mean yeah like a fear it's kind of it's kind of warranted <laughs> yeah um, but I mean it's it, she's had that experience before yours is probably warranted too yeah, you that's think true. about it. Like, oh yeah, yeah. If you're what? Not happy, yeah, you're not happy and you're stressed out, and you deal with stress. Maybe like I deal with stress where I don't really feel it all the time. I just like okay, I'm going on. Okay, handle yeah. that, handle that, handle that. And it just piles up. And then, that's how it is most of the time. Yeah. And, and you, you don't exactly realize that you're getting stressed. You don't realize like I don't realize that I'm stressed a lot of times. Kim has to tell me that I that something's going off me, like something's out of the norm with you right now, because. I don't really feel it on the inside. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're that same exact way. You're just going throughout your day. You think life's great. Yeah. I'm pretty chill. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, great. I wasn't. It's yeah. hitting you out of the blue. Yeah. So that was like within a year of when I ended up quitting that job and starting my own business. Um, and so I was thinking about it for a long time and we started planning. It's like, okay, we got to do something about this. Um, and so for eight years, I, that's all I've known. It's a solid paycheck, like it's guaranteed. Just go work hard. You're gonna get that paycheck. Take care of your family, because my family was number one, and they still are number one to take care of them. Now I've got three kids, and it's you got to be able to support them. And it's scary to go. I'm gonna leave this secure thing. Yeah. So that that started to come into the picture whenever I realized, okay, I think I can do this, but it's there's a lot of risk involved with it, and we didn't have any kind of any savings like to to as a backup to like give us a few months cushion <laughs> uh, but we planned this out for a year it's like I went to like this mastermind type meeting with this guy that t- trained me everything I needed to do to start this business specifically the the private pay PT clinic because that's the way I decided I wanted to go um, outside of insurance companies just take care of my patients the way I think they need to be taken care of and give a better service 
and, um, and and it's private pay or cash pay, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just not billed through the insurance company. So I decided I wanted to go that way, and but it's not simple. You don't just like do it. You need some business experience. Yeah, how do you get people in your door? I mean, think about that. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm just gonna turn the key, and then all of a sudden, magically, tons of injured people are just gonna come walking through the door. I'm like, I've got cash here. Fix yeah. me. Yeah. So that's how it works in a physician-owned clinic, where they're just feeding patients directly. Right. Of course, that's an in-network insurance-based, where you have people, two or three people in the back end doing all the insurance billing, trying to get you paid. You know. <laughs> I can give people an example of this. Uh, is when I broke my foot, had surgery on it. I actually asked the question because I was very much in the mindset of I'm going to do all the rehab and I'm going to take the time to come back properly. I don't want anything to be out of place. Like, not only did I spend the money for surgery on this thing, you mm -hmm. know, but I also don't want my bones to be crooked. I want to be able to perform just as well after this thing as before. So if that means a little bit longer of a break, harder work, slow, that's what I'm going to do. This is not something that I took lightly like I do some other things. It was like, mm -hmm. I was serious about it. And so I'm following all his orders, but I asked him specifically, hey, what rehab, do I go to rehab? Do you guys provide it? Does, do they take insurance? Can you suggest a place? And it was like shrug the shoulders and like, you're kind of on your own. The surgeon there's said no, that? Yeah, there's no, um, they kind of point you away, but they're like, well, it's like. I mean, They've done can, their job. Can, yeah, you can go check these places out. It honestly looks like they don't have an answer for you. Yeah, as far as like they, like knowing your business, where they could send me, hey, here's a private pay, here's one that takes insurance, here's this, here's that. I don't think you were in business when I broke my foot, but um, this was here in, here in town, local. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's and the doctor was awesome. I'm not slamming the doctor at all. It it's was just, just a system of yes, getting yes. people through it and taking good care of someone like you who's active and competes. You've got to get back to a certain level. Yeah. To, I mean, that's what makes you happy. Well, I, I mean, annoyed him. I was like, when can I do stuff? Like, what can I do and when can I do it? I need to know, like, I need to know this plan. Like, I'm looking for some sort of outline to get me through it. And basically the only thing was, like, stay off of it for sure for this this amount of weeks. Okay. I'm going to do that. But now what else? Like, what else can right. I do? It's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what you sh I, I I can't. And part of it is he can't tell you, go exercise with that boot on. Mm -hmm. So it was left up to me to go figure out what exercise I can do and modify things. And then I Googled stuff. All I did was I found Google stuff, like rehab for my broken foot, the bones that I had. And I did those religiously before every single thing. Like as the stages progressed, you know, I got out of the boot. I did those as they said on the internet. Like I was following these things that I found because, it, I mean, that's all I knew. But right. um, I didn't know who to trust like mm -hmm. you go to because – I don't want to pay a ton of money to go to some physical therapist and it's not going to be any good. Mm -hmm. You know, and I you had didn't no even have a recommendation. I, I had no recommendations. Yeah. I had no, nothing to base it off of. Right. So I was I, like literally in the dark on it. Yeah. So that kind of brings up something that, that I've been hearing in discussions of the physical therapy world of why, why that kind of thing happens. Like why is the healthcare system in the U S gotten to that point to where, I mean, physical therapy for example is just something that people don't even really know what it is because it hurts or what we can do and it's they, not like, they associate it with pain yeah it's or, not pleasant but you have to you have like think thinking about so for instance if i hadn't done stuff with my foot right well let's say i have an achilles injury 
Mm-hmm. If I don't do things properly with that, those tendons don't heal back right. And so then you're it's stiff, isn't it? Like yeah, well, if you have something like Achilles or tendonitis, eventually I had a phone consultation with somebody the other day. They were they had tendonitis, were having pain. They played basketball, tore their Achilles. So it's like warning signs were there, but he didn't have anybody to like but really the, talk to about it. Or what no. happens after that, though? Like if they yeah. don't go to rehab for it. So he had surgery, and he called me. He knew me, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> I've treated him before for other things. He also <laughs> does CrossFit and plays soccer, um, so it's like right up my alley. And he... Anyway, he's he's doing some rehab um, in network somewhere, but he was with a surgeon who feeds him straight to that PT. That's so. Good. There's groups of surgeons that set up PT clinics. You know, they've kind of it's a pretty good idea. Like um, these surgeons, they they have their own physician-owned PT clinic where they feed all these patients for physical therapy because they know the importance of it. Uh, most surgeons do. Yeah. And so if they have their own thing where they can also still make money off of it, that's another thing. Yeah. It's oh, a it's great smart. business. It's yeah, smart. It's, it's, it's a, smart a great idea. Do. Like you're helping, you're healing somebody here, and then you're also helping them get better. Right. But like, so my foot, if I didn't do the stretches and stuff, will my tendons heal back? Like, I don't know, shorter is the right word. I'm speaking from like, I don't know the technical term, but I know they Did won't. you have tendons repaired? No. But like, let's say I didn't move it for that long, and it was super stiff. Like, it was hard to move. But let's say I had tendons that were like had to be repaired in there that I tore. Mm-hmm. What would happen if I didn't do the proper rehab and didn't take it seriously? Yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of what physical therapy. One aspect of it is is restoring normal function of an injured part. So it's not just tendons, ligaments. It's like there's so much going on in there. Um, I mean that's why PT school is three years. You got to learn all the little details of physiology, the anatomy. Um, how joint mechanics are, kinesiology, all these things. Um, and we're kind of trained in a big, broad spectrum of things. But like with something like this, you have to look at everything. It's not just the foot and the ankle, um, but things are going to get stiff because that's just the body healing. I mean, you've, you did have surgery, yeah. right? So yeah. there was incisions. Yeah, and I had so, rods sticking in there, and they were like they were holding the bones in place. In your the, foot? Yeah. They okay. were sticking out the bottom of my toes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... So you're gonna have scar tissue. It's just your body's natural way of healing things. And so when it goes through that scar maturation phase and all the, the healing of these tissues, it takes time for that tissue to mature. But at the same time, if you're not helping those tissues to mature the proper way with physical therapy, with hands-on like manual techniques and specific stretches and exercises, then you will have um, poor ankle mobility or even in the foot, all the joints that are going on in the foot. You can have. I mean, the joints can get stiff because of the way they're healing and all the ligaments. So it's a big combination of all that soft tissue, the joints, making sure everything's mobile, flexible, and then you got to build back strength because when you get incisions and have, if you're cut on, you're going to have muscle atrophy. If you're not weight-bearing, you're going to lose muscle strength in your whole leg. Yeah. Um, so it kind of goes up the whole chain, and you end up treating you know, the whole lower extremity um, whenever it's something way down at your foot and ankle. Um, but... One thing that people think about with physical therapy, like if you ask somebody, like if I were to ask you, what is physical therapy? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, I would think, I mean, I think stretching, um, like stretches. That, that's kind of, it's kind of hard. Like I would think helping me get back active. Like that, that's really the first, the first thought is like, this is the step to getting back. Well, that's not Walking bad. without a limp. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't want to walk with a limp. 
So these guys are coming, gonna come in there, and I don't know exactly what you do, but I know you like you stretch and you get me in positions that I don't don't necessarily want to be in, and you hold those positions, you work those positions until I do want to be in them, and then I'm set free. Yeah, so that's that, the first thing that comes to mind when I think physical. That's therapy. good. I mean, that's not a bad definition, I would say, but what most people think about when they think physical therapy there's kind of two things and one you kind of fall in this category is i've had surgery and i need help getting back to where i was yeah so you need physical therapy because you had surgery um the other thing is my grandma goes to physical therapy so (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean that is another part but i don't think of it that way well you don't but you thought about the other one Um, yeah i guess about athletic wise i'm thinking like you know like i'm just thinking about what can get me back yeah Uh, you know, yeah, old people need it too, you yeah. know. I, so I you get old, you need physical therapy. So why do people yeah. think that? It's not their fault. It's physical therapist's fault. Like there's there's been this like, I don't know, over, I mean, I've only been in it for eight years, but over the last 20 to 30 years, I guess, of like the development of physical therapy, I mean, it hadn't been around for that long. It started, um, I guess, around like right after World War II is kind of when physical therapists first kind of started that that. kind of career so it was you know late 40s and 50s so not that long ago that this career has even existed um and really like one person ago right yeah Yeah, that's it yeah so some of the people we learned about in pt school were like the ones that started it or two p yeah yeah Yeah. so so how has it gotten to the point to where now people don't really know what we are um it you know it's advanced quite a bit and like who the type of people we work with and I mean, of course, there's different aspects of it with with those things that we talked about. But you know, why do not people know exactly what a physical therapist could do for you, especially active individuals? You know, that's who I target: active individuals, 25 to 55 years old, who care about their health, have a career, have a family, and they want to be healthy. They want to look good. They want to compete. They want to you know be able to be around to play with their kids whenever they're young and when they get older. You know, throw them up in the air, whatever it is, like. That's the kind of person that I target specifically. Um, so in order to do that, I need to educate that person of what I can do for them. You know, it's not just do this stretch or um, rest it here, ice it, you know, heat it. Everyone asks me, should I ice or heat? Um, I don't use either. <laughs> so it's like I'm just, you know, to them, I'm like way outside the box, you know. And yeah. It's like, what are you talking about, no ice or heat? And it was like, well... That's basically, the remedy, man. basically, the guy that came up with rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Yeah, he reneged everything he said. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> so that was recent that I heard that, and I don't know. The... I mean, there's some. There's got to be something to like cold therapy and hot therapy. Yes, it does. Uh, there is something to do that something, that helps it heal, right? but it doesn't do exactly what we necessarily thought it did. Okay. Um, and the rice stands for rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Yeah. So basically, they realize within after seventy two hours of like a, an acute ankle sprain, you're not going to get much out of rice. Um, those things definitely help at the beginning, uh, but now within forty eight seventy two hours, you want to be doing different things like restoring normal joint mechanics and all that like right away. That quick, whenever like so, if I roll my ankle, you need to, you need to start treatment purple, the day after. The day after, yeah, like force that thing to move. Uh, not necessarily force it to move. Um, you need to work on helping your body to take care of that infl- inflammatory process because all the swelling is your body's trying to heal it. That's just the process that your body's going through to take care of that injury. 
So things we can do manual-wise, like hands-on massage or even using dry needling, something I do a lot, to an acute ankle sprain or an acute muscle strain, like you pull your hamstring doing a sprint drill or something. <laughs> um, or, <laughs> yeah. or you feel a pull in your back when you're doing a heavy deadlift. Um, or it towards the end of like a lot of deadlifts or something. If you wait to take care of those things more than a day or two, you start to kind of stiffen up and you kind of start to lose your normal joint mechanics. So we can, with hands-on techniques, you know, we can restore those joint mechanics early on. And the sooner you do that, the faster you're going to recover. Now this isn't like chiropractic, chiropractic stuff. This is like, this is different than that. This is outside massage and chiropractic and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do overlaps some with massage. I mean, I do soft tissue yeah. work. And, yeah. Um, well, there's you, no doubt that that stuff is good for you. Oh, yeah. Like, no doubt. Oh, massage, I mean, there's tons of benefits to massage. Yeah. And and um, then chiropractic, there's a lot of benefits to chiropractic, too. Um, and Depends a lot, on what chiropractor does. That's true. I only have one that I like, and you know him. Yeah. That, that's it. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, I'm not a fan of... I mean, the there's only two in town that I would send people to. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and they're All both right. basically the same. We're on the same page here. They're, they're sports one. chiropractors. And yeah. Big it, difference. Big yes. Difference. Very big difference. And it depends yeah. on a lot on their training, because I think a lot of it is just the way chiropractic school is. It's this, the direction it kind of takes most chiropractors... If you don't get hooked up with a, some, somebody good like Patrick did right away, you know, you could go down a different way, and it's just a little bit more like, oh, maybe, maybe this will work, or maybe this will work. It's not as, like, solidified, I think, in, like, science. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it, sure. it starts to kind of go the wrong direction. So anyway. Um, yeah, that's getting off topic. A lot of that overlaps with what physical therapists do. Yeah. Um, but another thing is, like, people think – they they wouldn't they may not think to call a physical therapist because they have back pain. They would immediately call a chiropractor. That was going to be my next thing. Like when I like so I did sprain my ankle or I hurt my back or something. I have a tiny injury. Like I rollerblade still like occasionally, and if I fall and hit a rail square on my kneecap, it swells up with fluid. I can't really bend it. It gets tight. I mean that's happened. It's not mm-hmm. anything unnormal for me to work through. Right. I just use the rice method. You know mm-hmm. and. Wait till it goes down. Yeah. But I can come into your place and get that worked on. Right. I mean, if you get it worked on right away, you're going to get better faster. And then also... It's not going to last for three weeks. Yeah, it'll last maybe a week at the most, seven days. Um, (laughs) But people just don't know that. And that's whose fault is that? That's our fault. You know, the physical therapist, um, physical therapy profession as a whole um, is kind of struggling to get back to where, not back to, but just get to the point to where people like you that have something like that happen know who can help them right away and so there's i mean there's a big group of therapists that are kind of leading this charge and i've joined myself to them um i'm actually going next this weekend i'm going i've got a mastermind event with them there's 30 of us they started like a year ago there was only six in the mastermind and they've grown it's just this one guy that or two people that started it and they're just teaching people not only like the business side of it which is actually mostly the business side um, but how we can make people, the general public, especially in our own communities, aware of how much we can help them achieve what they want to achieve. Uh, um, and then it's not just old people. Oh, no. I but mean, I, I still treat old people. When you, when, you, when you said that, though, and I say old people, my wife would probably say, I'm I've old got an person. 82-year-old patient right now. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> they have the hip surgeries. Yeah. They have the knee replacements. That stuff's important for them to, you know, get rehab. Mm-hmm. So they've got to go to a physical therapist, right? So, but 
I when you said that it kind of rings a bell because my mom was trying to push me to go in some sort of like PT assistant or whatever because she's like you're good with people and you like doing this stuff and getting them better and uh, I, I I mean yeah I was fascinated with it I thought about it like I looked into it um, but with what my mom said is like you're gonna help a lot of old people out like there are a lot of old people in this yeah. in this system you know mm-hmm. so now that you say that I I'm assuming that people outside people like just walking around that may not be in the athletic competitive in my little bubble you know my tiny little bubble that I live in because it is small um, they might think that yeah it's just old people that go there yeah yeah so something you mentioned earlier about like how do you get people to come into your door the people that you want to work with so that's right. the nice thing about starting a business um, and really just building it the way you've wanted to do it like all along like in the back of my head this is kind of like what I imagined the whole time I just didn't realize it was possible um, until I started going that direction and realizing yeah this is possible and we decided um, kind of back to what we talked about earlier for a year we planned um, made sure I was at least ready to start I was in the community long enough for four years where I knew people and there were people waiting once I kind of made that announcement like I'm starting my business about a month and a half before I actually did People were like, let me know when you start it. Let me know when you start it. I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come see you. So that was very nice to have that. And that was a little bit reassuring. And then like right towards the end, I started seeing patients on my own. And then had that last day, that last paycheck <laughs> that came every two weeks, like guaranteed direct deposit. Reality um, hits. You know, that stopped on February, whatever, 23rd. That's the, my last day there. And, and it was literally like jumping off a cliff and building an airplane on your way down like or or some people say pull the trigger ride the bullet like (laughs) that's exactly what it's like that what it felt like like in one sense you like want things to happen fast but you got to be patient with it and so if you trust like what you've kind of already developed and then the the community that you developed and the relationships you developed you just got to kind of stick with it a little bit at a time and it's not a sprint how hard is it not to take shortcuts in that situation where like I could make some money real quick taking a shortcut, but it's going to, like, I'm going to deal with clients that I, I'm going to get people in here and, and put a name out there like the old person clinic, let's say. Yeah. So, like, saying, that's all kind of like saying yes to everybody that contacts you and wants to, wants physical therapy. Maybe not necessarily, they don't really know you, they just know they need physical therapy, they find you. Yeah. It's very tempting, and I kind of did this a little at the beginning, honestly. Yeah. Just to... I mean, you want everybody to come in that called you because you need to make money. <laughs> yeah, you're excited. You're starting this new venture, man. Yeah. You're riding the bullet. Like and you, you still want to help everybody. Like, I mean, physical therapists, most of them would do what they do for free if they didn't have to pay for their, you know, I've take, seen you do take, it take, take care you, of their you family. You go to these clinics. And yeah, but they would do it all for free, but that's yeah. not that's not feasible. You got to have, it's a business too. So. You have to, if, the only but that's way just to like keep the mindset. people you around, like, like you around, is to pay you to do it. Like, yeah. You can't support a family giving away your stuff for free all the time right yeah so um i kind of lost my train of thought there but uh where was i going with that well we were on like getting the right kind of people in your door and you took some oh yeah saying yes to everybody yeah saying yes to everybody so that didn't last very long because i was in a different mastermind group with this guy in austin who started a cash pay clinic um, about eight uh maybe eight years ago um, so he was vital for the first year I was meetings with him and a group every week uh, we were in a Facebook group, group together and he was helping me every step of the way like should I do this should I do this how should I set this up setting up an LLC 
um, tax ID, taxes, like everything that goes with the business. Um, yeah. Even like getting patients. I mean, especially getting you know, how are you going to get patients? You, I'm I'm no longer depending on doctor referrals. Uh, so in Texas, if most people don't know this, we're one of the last two states that you have to have a referral for physical therapy um, from either yeah. a medical doctor, chiropractor. Uh, PA, podiatrist, nurse practitioner, um, and uh, or a dentist. <laughs> so I can't just walk in and get therapy for something. Well, you can get an evaluation. But I could evaluate. Yeah, but after that, you can't go any further. Not legally in Texas. You have to go to somebody else. Get well, a you don't have to go thing. to them. There's ways to get referrals through verbal orders, or just if you have a friend or family member, that is one of those things I mentioned. Yeah, a medical doctor, a chiropractor, good you friends. You still have to go through another. Right, so it's unfortunate because we can't be that primary care person for them, which is where PT is headed for sure. Because most states have it already. Um, we're the one of the last two. Hopefully, in 2019, this year, this summer, it's going to be going through legislation again. Hopefully, they can get through it. I and hope so too. It'll pass. But the like Texas right. Medical Association keeps pulling it. They're just cutting it off. Like they. You so know, weird. A bunch of rich doctors that. Yeah, I don't even see why. Like that, they, I mean, they most doctors, doctors realize, you know? like medical doctors realize the benefit and the value of physical therapy. That's what I'm saying. But like, it's, it's just kind of the bureaucracy of it. And you're not stealing their business. No, not at all. You there know, is like, there is an abundance of people. First of all, like to be. Able, I mean, yeah. same thing with like chiropractors, massage therapists, other other physical therapists. There are so many people out there. Even just in a smaller, you know, community like this. There's so many people that could use. How can you go to a chiropractor and then not go to a physical therapist? That's just how it's been Doesn't for a long time. It's the, in my mind right now. Part of it is just the profession of physical therapy just hasn't been able to lobby and get those kind of laws put in place. It's um, crazy. Yeah, I mean it really is. <laughs> but one day right it's gonna it's gonna change soon. Hopefully, yeah. this year. If not this year, then within the next two years because it comes up every two years. Um, and when that change, like. That is going to completely change my business because I'm ready already. I'm already getting patients coming in, and I just have to find ways to get them referrals. So they can call a friend or family yeah. member. Um, my dad's also a physician, so I can get him on the phone and talk to them, have a phone consult um, with them, and he okay. doesn't get anything for it. He just does it for me because he's an MD. Yeah. <laughs> and I know him pretty, pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can also get verbal orders from medical doctors, some that I have relationships already with here in town. If that patient's already seen them, I just text the doctor and say hey can you know they've seen you before can we get a referral and it's just verbal order and then they fax it over they actually send over an order how long was it before you started seeing business pick up like where you're like oh man this thing's gonna work so initially the first week i saw i needed i, I need to see just some simple logistics about i figured out i needed to see 13 patients a week like just to survive there's like 12 and a half the first week i saw 18 wow <laughs> Man, so you're yeah. like starting off with some serious momentum. Now. Yeah, so the first month was awesome. Then it dropped off a little bit just because, you know, what happened? All those people got better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I was able to like help people so much more. It's just like they got better yeah. so fast and like they loved it. But then you start building this, this clientele. Yeah, the, so you're building the web with the patients you have, starting to network in the community with massage therapists, chiropractors, um, other medical uh professionals and gyms especially that was like where i start seeing like you know that's where my clientele is located they're on a soccer field or they're in a crossfit gym or even you know other just normal gyms like golds or yeah whatever. just anywhere somebody's being active someone's active yeah. yeah um so it dropped off a little bit in the summer it picked up big time i was seeing over 20 a week and then towards the end of the year they everyone kind of warned me like 
you need to have a little saved up <laughs> because December, like people just are doing other things. There's all kinds of yeah, other things yeah, going yeah. on. That's, November, yeah. towards the end of November, December, it slowed down a lot. I was getting a little worried. Um, I never dropped below that average of what I needed, um, and I've been able to keep my overhead low. But um, then I made the decision to change from one mastermind group to another, and that completely changed my business in January um, because the people I joined up with now, they do performance based physical therapy so it's a little bit of a hybrid approach with strength and conditioning and physical therapy a lot of them have a strength and conditioning background or crossfit background um and so it's a different type of therapy and plus they've scaled their business from solo practitioner which is what i am now up to two three four therapists working for them and they're able to provide an awesome job like for this therapist and that's what i want to do like i want to it's not just about growing the business so it'll be successful make money take good care of my family and do whatever we want to do it's about helping somebody else even another physical therapist have an awesome career and buy a house or whatever you know yeah <laughs> like be able to pay someone to do that that's the ultimate goal maybe and one I, day move to a different state or whatever and open their own place right yeah or just I'll, have their own business that'd be know? awesome if they if i was able to train them to where they can start their own thing you yeah know? Um, but to provide the, you know whatever they're looking for, I think that could potentially be more satisfying than even me being successful in well, business. It kind of goes to like you, you're wanting to help people, right? What I do all the time. It's yeah. what, you, what you want to do. Like it's ingrained in you. You can tell like you're passionate about this business. Uh, you're passionate about what you do. You really want to help people out. And it kind of comes through in all walks of life with mm-hmm. it. So if I'm going to see if Brian's genuine... I mean, you kind of just answered a little bit of the question there. Like, there's, I'm sitting across from you right now, and I see your faces. Like, there was yeah. no like, yeah, so they can open their own business. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, that's that's my reasoning. It was like, whole, like heartfelt. Like, yeah, yeah, that that would be great. Like, I know this feeling, and I think it'd be awesome. There's I mean, I think they could open it. their business in this town. Yeah, like, I mean, I even go even far to say that because without that abundance mindset, I mean, and that's how Michael Perkins is. He's an owner of a physical therapy clinic here inspire and he is just has this awesome mindset of like what can i do to help you that's what he said to me whenever i was starting my own business and he's a you physical don't therapist get that very much I yeah he's the only one that has said that to me yeah. <laughs> but that's the mindset you got to have i mean because there's so many people that can that we can help um and he realizes that and so and i realize that so i mean you've got to help each other i mean it's just going to hurt your business if you have a scarcity mindset uh, yeah where, so yeah. Anyway, um, another thing I wanted to... This will kind of segue into uh, something else. Okay. Um, I don't even know how long we've been going. We're like 56 minutes. Okay. So uh, <laughs> so in January, whenever it was coming up to a year, February, end of February was a year of the business, and it was we struggled in December. And so I, I just realized I got to do something a little bit different to really jumpstart the growth again, um, which part of it was just... January. I mean, becoming the new year, things would kind of pick up. Um, and I built up enough, like, of my web and my network for that to happen. And so, But I still, you know, I needed to do something. So that's why I joined this other mastermind. They made, like, three little tweaks in my business. And, like, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to join it because it was expensive, very expensive every month. It was a monthly payment. And then we had this trip to Israel planned that me and my dad and my brother had been planning since... I guess maybe October of 2018. And so I've got, you know, to build, keep building the business and keep growing it. And then I've also got this big expense if I'm going to join this group 
who I talked to them on the phone for an hour, and they 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 said there's almost a guarantee you're going to get return on this investment uh, within three months um, if you do what we tell you to do. <laughs> so. I was just like, oh, yeah. here we go with this trust the process. I'm <laughs> yeah. like seeing this go now. So I was taking, I took about three days to think about it and just pray and consider. And I was a little uneasy about it, but then I just started feeling good. It's like, I just felt at peace. Like, let's do this. Let's jump into it. And so I did it. And I, so, and, and we have this trip to Israel coming up. And that's another reason I was hesitant because two weeks, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be out of the country for two full weeks where I'm solo right now the business will not be making any money for yeah. two weeks yep. um, and my wife just does like contract work and mostly just taking care of the kids right now so there's nothing you're not, when you're coming not there, in over there yeah. no money coming in right and yeah. that's how it is right now eventually I'll be able to go out of town and still you know the business still making money but um, it was it, I was really unsure about doing this but I, as soon as I made the decision to do it those first couple of weeks of January I left January 23rd Israel um, and I was able to basically I mean sometimes I sell packages as well or I try to get people to buy a, a group of visits uh-huh. which makes it better for them and for me it gives me cash flow but also gets them to commit to something to commit to a plan and then their results are way better whenever they commit to something for six visits or ten visits whichever yeah. one they choose And but getting that cash flow up front I was able to sell like seven packages before I left, and I'd never done this before, um, and that alone made it possible to leave and not have that income like per visit while I was coming. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, so, totally. But I realized like that never happened before. It, I I can't just give the credit to the mastermind for helping to make those changes and push those things. Of course, that helped, but I completely believe that it was the Lord that said, "Okay, you're going to go to Israel." You're going to have an awesome time with your dad and your brother, and you're going to see the Holy Land. You're going to get all these experiences that will last a lifetime, and I'm going to take care of your family and your business. And that's what he did. <laughs> so it's like, I didn't realize that till I got back. I, was, I told my wife, I said, you know why I sold those packages, right? Like, that's, That was just the Lord's way of saying, go to Israel. There you go. <laughs> so anyway... That trip to Israel ended up being, I mean, life-changing. Um, unfortunately, my wife wasn't able to go. She was with the kids, but it made me for sure want to be able to take her back and, like, show her everything I saw. Um, but it wasn't just about, I mean, I don't know how many people, like, want to go to Israel um, or have any kind of desire to see, you know, some people call it the Holy Land or the Good Land or whatever. I mean, yeah. where the it, Bible it, was written. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty amazing place historically. Um so if you just like history, I think, I mean, you would enjoy going somewhere like this. Um, but I'm a Christian, and I wanted to see, not only see the land, but just also kind of see what, like, the current situation is. Um, because there's things happening that could be unfolding soon <laughs> that are written in the Bible and prophesied, and things that have happened already that have been prophesied. And so it's like, you know, things are going to happen there physically, like, possibly in the near future. So it wasn't just about seeing the history of it for me, although that helped a lot, and even kind of going back and reading things in the Old Testament especially. Um, And then, of course, the the Gospels, where we spent a lot of time in the Galilee, where the Lord did his ministry for three and a half years. Um, But so seeing the land and seeing the sites was pretty awesome, like historically. But the number one thing that was like the best 
part of it for me was uh, my dad's been there six times. Whoa. Um, and number one, like I wasn't afraid to go there. Like people are like, you're going to Israel? Like, is it safe? Like, well, I mean, there are things that happen there that don't happen here. And But, I mean, I don't feel like it's unsafe. I mean, tons of tourists go there every year. Um, and, you know, also the Lord is protecting Israel. So <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> Um, and, and you know that was just that's just my faith and my confidence about yeah, that's your about belief. that. That's your yeah. belief. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was I didn't feel unsafe. My wife didn't feel um, like I was going to be in danger at all. Um, my dad's been six times, and he basically gave us a private tour. Um, but since he's been a lot, and also so he knows a lot of people there, um, and like locals that have either moved there from the U.S. that um, are Jew have Jewish heritage. Um, and they're able to move. You can only move there if you have Jewish. Yeah, Jew yeah. Anger. I had an aunt. My my uncle went there for a little bit, and then he ended up marrying a woman from there. And so I got to talk to her, and we got to like get kind of like, I guess, a second hand stories. You know, if she's lived there, she's seen everything, and just some of the things that she was, you know, she would explain about Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It's like, but you haven't been. No, I haven't been. No, uh-uh. yeah, it's not. It's not on the list of places for me to go. Like that area of the world is like, I've got a lot more on the, on the list before mm-hmm. I would get to that spot. Yeah, um, and that's just personal things. Oh yeah, yeah. That's just like my personal wants and the places I want to see and my desires and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, and especially from what she said, it's not. She talks about it beautifully. Like she has the goods and the bads. Like she gives everything of everyday life to us. Um, she loves it. Her kids love it. Like, she went back there. I mean, mm. she was in Canada, and their family, like, made pants for Ralph Lauren and Tommy Hilfiger. Like, it's a pretty good company, you know? It's a pretty big thing. She left that at 16 to go to Israel. Oh, wow. And she left Canada, went over there, and that's where she is. Like and That's because of her heritage. That's what right? she I just mean, loves. She yeah. just loves it. It's part of who she is and what mm-hmm. she wants to, you know. And that's how the people are there. I mean, the the ones that have come back um, and also the ones that have just lived there. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of culture there, whether it be Jewish. I mean, you basically have three cultures there. You have the Jewish culture, you have the um, Muslim culture, and then the Christian culture. And so there's these religions plus cultural things that kind of all blend together. Yeah. And then there's kind of this superficial piece. Like, it is... It's palpable. (laughs) Um, And what I mean by that is like the first three days we went, we spent uh, the first three days in the old city of Jerusalem, Um, which first of all, the elevation there is 3,500 feet. I didn't know that. I don't know. Maybe I I was ignorant about it. It's not something that I like. I think desert (laughs) when I think Israel. Yeah. Um, But Jerusalem is beautiful. It's mountains, valleys, hills, water brooks, you know, just like it's described in Deuteronomy. Um, but I mean, it's a land full of these things, but then also the Southern part of it is, I mean, there is desert, but there's still mountains. There's the dead sea, which is 1300 feet below sea level. And then Jerusalem, which is 45 minutes away, 3,500 feet above. So, you know, have a pretty big difference there. Um, and then in the Northern part in the Galilee, it's just green mountains and hills and waterfalls. And I mean, it's beautiful. Um, and the land wasn't always like that. I mean, it's gone through a lot um, historically with different people living on the land. And before the Jews kind of came back 100 years ago, um, it was a horrible land because the the ones that were there didn't take care of it. But the Jews are very religious 
we take care of the land. We're told to to work That's the a land. Funny statement. The Jews are very religious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about taking care of the land. No, I just laughed when he said it because I was like, I know what you're saying, and I also it make it's like a true statement. <laughs> yeah. So so you have all these different aspects that you know you don't realize till you get to see it, but. In the old city of Jerusalem, it's surrounded by a wall. You have the Temple Mount there that's completely under control of the Muslims. And there's the Muslim police walking around making sure you're not praying. Um, if you're praying, they're going to kick you off. And it's very strict about that. But then on the western wall, you know, the Wailing Wall, it's part of the wall of the Temple Mount. And you have Jews right there, and they're praying at the Wailing Wall. I mean, they have all these things that they do um, at the section of the western wall that they have in their quarter. Wow. <laughs> so the old city is divided into four quarters. And so you have this like division of Christian quarter, Armenian quarter, Muslim quarter, and Jewish quarter. And but at the same time, it's kind of like we're all living here in peace. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean You're by mingling. it. It's superficial. I mean, yeah. There's some parts where I mean, you have the the people, the um, the ones the the green outfits, the military for Israel Defense Force IDF. And they've got their you know machine guns and. And then you have the the Wafa police in their black outfits. It's the Muslim police, and they're like sometimes side by side, or like there's roads inside the old city well, at least that they color code are touching. So you yeah, can know where <laughs> at least you're I could know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would make it really hard. Well, it was one time they didn't let us go through the Muslim quarter for some reason. We didn't know why. They just said you can't go this way. Um, but I mean, there, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a ton of Americans. I mean, yeah. um, you see a lot of Russians there. Um, and then also just all kinds of other, you know, nationalities, nationalities visiting. that are visiting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such a popular spot for tourists. And that's how the old city is just flooded. But then you got people, I mean, you got a hardware store in the old city uh, for people that live there. They live, I mean, there's 20,000 people that live in the Muslim quarter or something like that. Some crazy number in this tiny yeah. area. I and mean, it's a pretty small area. You could walk around it and basically, like around the perimeter, it may take like, 45 minutes oh my gosh that's um, a lot of people but that's like within the big city of jerusalem yeah um so just there alone three days there it was awesome just kind of seeing all those things and going on the temple mount and um just a lot of history there with the bible and then what's going to happen in the future and there's the mount of olives there's where they think that the lord was buried where he's crucified all that happened like in that area but then we go to all these other areas like um, we went down to masada right by the dead sea you got to float in the dead sea that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, you literally float like a buoy. Like you, it's crazy. like you're a life jacket. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't. I mean, you, you, I didn't go underwater because I didn't want it to get in my eyes. But I mean, if you try to go underwater, you can't stay underwater. You'll pop back up. And so you can basically like run in place, floating, like and not even try to stay up. <laughs> like you're just buoyant. And so that's pretty cool. Just that experience of I, I, I've always wanted to float in the Dead Sea once when yeah. I heard of it. You know. You scoop the bottom up, and it's not sand; it's salt, like this all salt that it hasn't dissolved because it's so concentrated. Um, so spending time there was fun, uh, but then we went out to the Galilee. This is what I was going to say earlier. Like the real like reason I think that I went, um, looking back on it, was um, getting to go with my dad, visiting these different cities, staying with people that actually live there, that have migrated there um, from the U.S. that have a Jewish background. Um, they live in Tiberias, Natanya, which is a beach city. Um, Natanya is. It's like you're in Southern California all of a sudden. I mean, that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, they just the people just didn't look like they were from there. But you know, this beautiful Mediterranean Sea, palm trees, and beautiful weather. Um, and but then the Galilee is just mountains and winding roads, and you have the Sea of Galilee, 
the Golan Heights. But we one thing we got to do when we were there, because my dad's been there several times, he's met people, and he knows Christians that are meeting in different homes. Um, and so we went to a home meeting of a group of Arab-speaking Christians. This is in a, this is in a Muslim village, um, or an Arab, they call them Arab villages. Not everybody there is Muslim, obviously. Yeah. But it's an Arab village where there's Christians meeting inside a home, and they were speaking Arabic, like, most of the time we were kind of getting some translation, some, we were singing in Arabic, <laughs> learning little things, and, you know, simple things um, to say in Ara- and sing in Arabic. But everybody just loved singing to the Lord, and then we had some prayer, we had dinner, at, so we had a meeting first at like 6.30 or 7, and then at like 8.30, we have dinner. <laughs> um, after that, this huge feast where people brought food, um, the host also cooked some food, but we probably had over 20 people in the room. And they're just meeting there as Christians in a little Arab village called Pekin in the middle of Israel, in the middle of the Galilee. And so, you know, to see that and to feel the same way I do when I'm meeting in a home here in College Station, Texas, yeah, it re- I realize, you know, um, for me, I mean, there's one body in this universe. And it's being expressed in cities all over the earth. So like that alone it wasn't just seeing the sights for me i mean although that was awesome and i want to take my wife to do it for sure we did a lot of hiking but like getting into a home and actually experiencing singing and prayer with other christians in that city where there's so much going on so much history of what's happened there um, in the past you know five thousand years whatever (laughs) it's i mean it was that's what like i took away from that trip the most for sure so i mean it's I can't wait to go back, like, take my wife to show everything. I don't want to take my kids. I just think that, I mean, not for safety or anything, but maybe when they're my age, yeah. <laughs> like my dad did. You know, my dad took me and my brother, and that was another yeah. thing, getting to do this with them. It's your family. It's been 20 years since we've been on a trip like that, so. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe a little less than that. Well, but. you know what's, like, listen to your story all the way around, from the Iron Man to opening up your own clinic to your passions. Like, what, what have you... It's really, I liked hearing your philosophy on things, and you would have never done an Ironman if you just didn't take that leap, right? It's your first one. It's a scary oh, thing. Yeah. That's a lot of, if you read it on paper, it's scary. Mm-hmm. But okay, like you said, shoot the gun, ride the bullet. Let's do right. this. You're, you've got a secure, like safe place, a two-week paycheck. Your family's doing great. Hold on a second. I really want to try this. Let's throw caution in the wind here. Let, let's take a leap. Like, whatever I believe in, I'm going for that. Mm-hmm. And you get rewarded for that step you take. Same thing with this. Like, you don't know if you should go. You know, you know how are you going to, like, money's not going to be coming in. You just start this business. You've got an Iron Man coming up now that you've right. just decided to go for. I and, swam in the Dead Sea. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, again, you said, I believe in this. I'm throwing caution in the wind. Yeah. And yeah, that, sure, that mastermind thing did something, but you still have to take that step. It's still not something that's easy to do. And you do that. So I see like a path of you believe something in your heart, like wholeheartedly, and you take you take action on that belief. Mm-hmm. And that, re- that always seems to come back. And I love hearing stories like that. I just love it. Like fires me up and gets me ready to go do something good. Like I want to <laughs> do something good in the world now. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's inspirational. It really is like hey man you can do it yeah you know yeah the more i talked about it like the more i realized like i mean that's just kind of who i am and what i've kind of become you know as of 
matured and grown up. It's just, I mean, that's how that's that's how I do it. And that's just that's not me. It's just how I've been kind of transformed by the Lord, you know, to do these things and have faith, yeah. you know, to do it. I like it, man. Well, thanks for doing this, Brian. Yeah, no problem. It's a lot of fun. To do it again. Do you want to plug anything before we start? Like your college station physical, physical therapy, where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, our website is just collegestationpt.com. We have a lot of information on there, a little, some questions if you have questions. But um, on our Facebook page, it's just College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. Um, you can look us up there, follow us, like us. And also um, on Instagram, uh, it's just Brian Watts PT, B-R-I-A-N-W-A-T-T-S-P-T. Uh, you can follow me there. I, I put business stuff, family stuff on there, kind of everything. Daily challenges. Daily challenges, Iron Man stuff. Well, I haven't done put any posts up yet. I'm kind of soaking it all in. But, um, yeah, this is how you can contact me or uh, the business. All right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, awesome. Brian. No problem.